When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The NFL season may be over, but that doesn't mean you have to stop betting. There's plenty to wager on over at betonline.ag, including their $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest. You only need $10 to enter, but be sure to do so before March 19th. You can also bet on the NBA, the NHL, my personal favorite, NFL draft props, and so much more. Head on over to betonline.ag today and put your sports knowledge to the test. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast. With your hosts Paige Dimakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert filling in for Paige Dimakos once again. Got Jamie Eisner, Jake Arians here with me. Guys, another day. The free agency previews continue. And we have a pretty big group to start off today's show with. And, and Jake, I'll just start here with you before we get into some of the names. This wide receiver list, we could have kept going. I actually had to arbitrarily stop the list at some point so we could get in all of these names on the show. You know, Hype, there's a ton of big names. I don't know there's going to be a ton of big movement. I think this is going to be the year of the franchise tag. It's such a value for these superstar receivers. When you're hearing rumors of some of these guys turning down $19 million a year and these teams are going to get them around 16. I think there's going to be a lot of now, whether that transition tag is applied, the permanent tags applied, a tag and trade, something like that. Maybe that's where we see the movement. But I think some of this is going to be a little bit anticlimactic for the first week of free agency. Uh, but, man, there are some monster names on here that you wouldn't normally think of getting to in free agency with big time receivers. Yeah, Jamie, I think the tag looms large over this position group more so than any of the other uh, guys that we've talked about, especially at the top of this list. So because we have such a lengthy list, let's jump right into it. The guy that's on the top of the list, Jamie, I'll start here with you, is Chris Godwin. And, and we just talked about the, the franchise tag. This might be where we start with this process as Chris Godwin could get the franchise tag. But he is, in my opinion, the, the top receiver in this market. And if he does hit free agency, there are going to be a lot of teams trying to acquire Chris Godwin. I would be surprised if he lands anywhere other than Tampa. Um, and, you know, this, this goes back to he's not going to get the most money playing for the Bucs next year, but he will have the best opportunity to win a Super Bowl. And do you bring back the whole team? You know you have a connection with Brady. He's the most targeted wide receiver on the, Patri- uh, excuse me, on, the, uh, on the Buccaneers last year. Like you can go somewhere else for a team that has a little bit more money that maybe can offer you a bigger deal, or you can say, you know what, I'm going to run it back this year. The thing that I'm intrigued about, Chris, and it'll be something that we talk about for a lot of these guys, doesn't really apply here, but there are two things. There's the tag and trade potential, which I think we're going to see at least be talked about more often than before. And I do want to see which guys maybe take shorter term, bigger guaranteed deals to wait to see what happens with the cap two, three, four years down the road, particularly if this is their first time hitting the free agent market and they're still going to be able to hit the market in their late 20s at some point. But for me, I, I think Chris Godwin comes back to Tampa Bay. If he does, he's going to be that stud fantasy, probably wide receiver too, um, that you, you've been enjoying for most of the time. I don't think he's going to be the top five guy because there's so many mouths to feed in that Tampa offense, but uh, he'll be a really solid fantasy option. And if he goes somewhere else, I don't, 
It depends on the offense. We'll see. Miami's got some money to spend. Indianapolis has some money to spend and some needs. But right now, I have a hard time seeing him outside of Tampa Bay. Allen Robinson, the next name up on this list. And I look at it from this perspective, Jake. Allen Robinson, if the, if the Bears don't franchise tag him, I don't know who whoever their quarterback is going to be next year is throwing the ball to. So I think just on that premise alone, the franchise tag is certainly a high probability here. But if Allen Robinson does hit the market, there are going to be plenty of teams, just like we mentioned with Chris Godwin. Jamie mentioned, I think, two of the bigger ones, Indy, uh, Miami, New York's got money to throw around. Those are teams that need wide receivers, and Allen Robinson's going to be a guy that they talk to. Here's the crazy thing with this. I mean, if they lose Allen Robinson for 19, 20 million a year, if they don't decide to franchise tag him. And that's why I go back to this. This is such a value for these guys. You're getting these guys at 16 million. These first three or four guys we're going to talk about are $20 million a year guys. But for Chris Godwin, who's a third round pick, right? He made 672000 and jumped to $2.1 million this year. If he makes $16 million guaranteed and is a free agent again with the cap going back up to Jamie's point, it'll be really interesting to see. Okay, I'm cool with being franchised for a year in his situation. Allen Robinson's been paid once, but is on that track to get paid again. If you're, the, if you're the Bears, how do you let him walk? This dude has been a superstar, regardless who the quarterback is, forever. 100-plus targets without a drop. I mean, if you let him go, do you replace him with Juju Smith-Schuster, who's cheaper? You still got to have a receiver. Do you bring T.Y. Hilton in? Indianapolis needs to keep T.Y., in my opinion, and sign one of these guys and set themselves up to be a triple threat with Michael Pittman Jr. would be absolutely amazing. You could replace T.Y. and be okay. But if you're Chicago, you have the dude there. You could franchise him for that amount of money, work on a long-term deal, tie him up for a while. But if you replace him with one of these other guys, they're not as good. How could you let Allen Robinson walk? I just, I, I, I kind of go back to what I said about Dak the other day. I literally can't, I could picture him a lot of places. But I can't picture him really leaving. I can't imagine they let him out of town. I saw a, a, a statistic, and this will transition into the next guy that we talk about, that Joe Marino pointed out to me. Not really a stat, but just a note. And it, it took me a minute. I had to take a step back and actually think about it. Allen Robinson, 27 years old. Feels like he's been in the league forever. Kenny Galladay is also 27 years old. It feels like Kenny Galladay has been in the league for two seasons. Like that is just the weirdness of sometimes the NFL. And Kenny Galladay, another guy who Detroit probably in their best interest to franchise tag him. Jamie, I guess I'll ask you this question with where Detroit is in their process. They've traded away Matt Stafford. They're bringing in Jared Goff. Does it make sense for them to come to a long-term deal with Kenny Galladay? Or does it make more sense to probably tag and trade him and try to get something out of Kenny Galladay? I would say tag and trade. Uh, and my philosophy going back to when we discussed this golf for Stafford trade was that they were essentially elongating the window in which they're going to try to find a franchise quarterback. And they bought themselves another, you know, but they bought themselves instead of having to figure it out in 2021. They've now extended that window out to 2023 to find whether it's a young quarterback that's moving from elsewhere, whether it's somebody coming up in these next two or three drafts, they've kind of elongated that window. I don't think they're a contender right now. So I'm not really, excited to lock up long-term money in Kenny Galladay because by the time he's going to provide you value as a legitimate playoff team, you're going to start to be into the mid to back portion of that contract. However, you can't let him walk for nothing. And this is where the tag and trade comes in again, where the numbers that these very top wide receivers are able to sign for, you have to get an asset for him because Marvin Jones, we'll talk about later, is going to be gone. Danny Amendola is going to be gone. I understand them going maybe uh, – you know, tapping into that kind of like that mid-level or the bargain bin free agent market right now afterwards, because they're really just kind of looking to build up this team with young pieces. They might bring in a receiver 
uh, in the in the top ten pick themselves as well. But you can't let Kenny Galladay walk for nothing. And to see, you know, it limits your options when you start to when you do tags and trades, and you can put yourself in a weird spot. But you know, to me, with teams like Indianapolis needing guys, Miami needing guys, the Jets needing guys, the Jets having plenty of draft capital, Miami having plenty of draft capital, like Deshaun Watson can only go one place. You know what I mean? So somebody is going to be left with, with when the, uh, the chairs are done and the music stops, somebody's going to be left without Deshaun Watson, and they're still going to have plenty of draft capital. Those teams are still going to have a young quarterback or a rookie quarterback operating them. To me, moving one of your, your day two-ish picks to get Teddy Galladay into the fold, work out an extension would be phenomenal because I think that might be the only way you can actually get him this offseason. It's the only one that makes sense, right? Like they, this is the one, this is a different situation than, than A-Rob or than Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin especially. I mean, Allen Robinson wants to get paid, but he's a team guy. You never hear anything out of him, regardless who the quarterback is. Galladay wants to get paid. I think he wants to get out of Detroit. I love those two other options. I think the Jets are going to be big-time players, whether it's trying to trade for somebody or just sign them in free agency. Uh, but the rumors are he's already turned down a bunch of money and they want to keep him. So I would be shocked if he's in Detroit next year. With the other two guys, I'd be shocked if they're playing somewhere else. Jimmy, that was a great point that you brought up because I hadn't thought about it from that angle of uh, the team that either misses out on Deshaun Watson or even the team that gets Deshaun Watson and maybe they still have some draft capital left over turning a, a day two pick into Kenny Galladay is a very unique and very interesting scenario that could uh, that could play out. So yeah, from Especially Detroit's the perspective, space. Yeah, right? Because like, right. you're talking about this from either you're going to get like if either Jets either getting a young another young option for Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, or if you're Miami and you make all this moves for Deshaun Watson, you're a Super Bowl contender right away. So what do you? So but you need to get a, a true wide receiver one to pair with Devontae Parker. You think so. a two would do it, Jamie? I don't think a two does it. I mean, you got to talk about Amari Cooper was a one in Dallas. I don't think I don't think they let Galladay walk for it for a day two pick. It, don't the I dynamics guess, play a role here, right? There's just free agents out yeah. there in the wide receiver market, so they can go to Detroit and be like, "Fine, I'm not giving you a two. I'm just going to go sign somebody." He's worth more but it than ain't a Galladay. two, but yeah, he's worth more than a two. The question is, is how much leverage does the, do the Lions actually have in that case? Are they going to if, if if Kenny Galladay says I'm not signing long term, like oh, I'm going to come in, I'm going to play on the franchise tag, but I'm not signing. You know, then at that point, who knows? Because Miami's pick is what is what 36, 35. So I mean, it's not like it's true. So true. If I that, mean, that if one, that, that isn't, one would probably do it. Yeah. Yeah, and if that isn't moved, like, would you rather have you know, uh, you know, Terrace Marshall, or would you rather? And I understand there's a financial element, but if you're trying to win now, window, I'd much rather have Kenny Galladay than a Terrace Marshall or a Rondell Moore or another different styles of receivers. But that's who the guys are going to be available with those sorts of picks. I could see that happening, but a lot of that is just it's leverage. You know, if Connie Galloway is like, I'll, I'll stay here, but I, I just want all the money in the world, you know, but I, I can't see him just leaving for free. I just can't. Him or Robinson. I just can't see those guys just, like, their organization just letting them walk. You have to try to get something for them if you can't convince them to stay. Yeah, I think any of those teams that pick in that 33 to 40 range in the second round basically have first round value in terms of a draft pick that they could offer to the Lions. And I think the Lions would love to pick in, in the first half of the second round because there's going to be a ton of talent. Uh, left on that board. All right, guys, another wide receiver, Will Fuller. And I think this is a very interesting situation in, in just that he could go elsewhere, but, you, you know, there's, there's the injuries, there's the suspension, there's a lot of stuff that, that, that plays into signing Will Fuller. And then I could see him coming back and supporting whoever the quarterback is next season. If it's Deshaun Watson, although I don't think that's very likely, but if they make a pick at number two or number three, you want a veteran number one type wide receiver for your rookie quarterback to go to. Will Fuller kind of provides that, Jake. 
You want a happy one, though. And I think you're going to see the same stuff, and we talked about it before with Will Fuller that you're seeing with Deshaun Watson. I think he wants out of town. I think he wants a fresh start. Uh, and you do have injury history. You have suspension stuff going on. His value is still pretty high, but they're going to have to do a bunch of background on what the suspensions look like, what else could be coming down the pipeline. Uh, I would expect him to be gone, and I would expect him to be a 1A on a good team. Uh, you know, it, it goes back to like, okay, does Green Bay actually do something? How much do they keep trying? Valdez Scantling was better this year, but still drops. He's still going to drop a touchdown every other game. He's still going to drop a 12-yard out. Uh, do they want somebody that's more of a 1A that can take the top off the defense? And can they afford that? I still think he's somewhere else being playing a really solid role, but not being a true number one. Yeah, and I, I fully kind of expect him to get tagged, and then we'll see what happens from there because I still think – I still think this Deshaun Watson situation is going to get more complicated before it becomes simplistic. Uh, I do not. I know we all are rooting for just for one, either you're a fan of one of the teams that are trying to get him or B, you're just a fan of the chaos because we don't see this type of silly season in the NFL. It's something that it's a luxury that has been given to other sports, but usually not the NFL, but I'm not as I'm not as sold that this is going to happen before the draft. And I think if this doesn't happen, as we talked about by April 29th, this gets a, a whole new layers of intriguing, uh, whether it's because whether we're talking about holdouts for Deshaun Watson, whatever capital you're getting is now mystery. You don't know what picks 2022's picks are going to be if you trade them for a team. And they're probably going to be better than the ones you have now. Like Miami ain't picking three because A, they're going to be better and B, they're not going to have the Texans' pick. So like same thing they're with the Jets. They're also going to limit the amount of teams that are going to be in the sweepstakes based off their yeah. draft or off of their salary cap because you've already gone through the draft and you've already moves. gone through for agency. So, like, you're literally going to take four or five teams that might think they're in the sweepstakes now, and they're, they're not going to be in the mix at that point because he's already got that monster contract he's on. Yeah, because what ha- cause there's this – I don't want to get down the tangent because I know we'll go off on a rain and, and I, like a whole thing. I've got a flight to catch. But, like, if this doesn't happen on the 29th and the Jets take a quarterback at two, and let's say Trey Lance falls to Carolina and they like him at eight. Where are you trained to Sean Watson? Miami? Miami or Denver at that point, unless Oakland really uh, is. San, yeah. San Francisco, because they're not getting a quarterback at Maybe. 12. I, yeah. Listen, I'm not saying it's a great option. I'm just, you asked the question. No, no, I mean, an answer. it's a great no, option for Watson. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, it's for the Texans. So, uh, so all of a sudden, even if you get the same, let's pretend even if you get the same exact picks, those first-round picks you're going to get next year are going to be 20 to 25 spots lower than the picks you would have gotten this year. Right, so but go it's, back it's, to San Francisco for a second. If they re-sign Trent Williams, sign Patrick Peterson, re-sign uh, Sherman, yeah. they got no cap space. Then they need Jimmy G at $20 because they can't do Deshaun at 33 yeah. or whatever he's at. Uh, so, so that's what I was talking about cap-wise. Like somebody's yeah. going to be dead in the water even though they want to pull something off. I have what could potentially be a very dumb question. So Jamie is relishing at the opportunity of me asking this question. In the NBA, we see this all the time where guys get drafted and then they get traded and that stuff happens, you know, they have to wait 30 days or something, right? Is there a procedure in the NFL? Like, is there a rule that I don't know about that like they have to wait a certain amount of time? Could, Mm -hmm. let's say the, the, the Dolphins or the Jets, trade the player they took it to like let's say houston loves zach wilson and that's what the jets took it to and they are able to make this trade can zach wilson be traded i go back to eli manning and philip rivers right so unless something's changed since then i'm not sure i think it's pre-contract now you can trade them whenever you want but if they sign that contract the dead cap hit would be absurd through the roof right I believe. So if you trade them before they sign their deals, yes, a la like there's nothing like a draft day trade. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But I think once they've already signed their deals, you are then beholden to that four-year contract. And at that point, trying to trade that away, it's, I believe would incur a massive dead cap hit for you. Because you have to pay slotted, the bonuses. You're sliding you in the to, contracts, but nobody's signing them in the first yeah. two, three weeks. But it will get uh, more no, complicated we're getting to May and June, or if we start yeah. to get like there, then at that point, yeah. Those guys are off the table because it's, it would not be financially viable to then trade Justin How Fields, awesome for would example. That be if we don't get anywhere till April 29th and it's prime time and all of a sudden – and we have a trade. The Jets and are on the clock and the Dolphins are on the clock and – Something crazy happens. Dude, that'd be awesome. I'd deadlines be, I'm, I'm for action. For all of that. Deadlines well, I, for action. Yeah. When the calendar turns to that. April, we'll see how, you know, how steadfast Houston is in their, in their unwavering stance of not trading. Uh, Deshaun Watson. Okay, let's keep this wide receiver train moving, guys. Juju Smith-Schuster, another one of these big names, I think, in the top tier of wide receiver. Again, he's another tag candidate, but guys, I, I don't see it. Like, I don't Jake, think so. your, your big thing is, you know, you can't see a player leaving. I can't see Juju staying. No, I can't either at this point. Uh, they have a ton of weapons. The production hasn't been there since AB left, and it's not really on Juju. They moved him in the slot. I think he's a perfect two and a really good offense. I think he'd fit phenomenal in Oakland or in Oakland in Las Vegas with the Raiders, with Gruden uh, playing in the slot, being that physical guy. I think Gruden would love a kid like that. It would fit Juju's personality a ton. Uh, I'd love to see him there, but I agree. I can't see him back at this point. They have cap issues. James Conner, I said, I think is going to be back cheap because I just can't picture him going anywhere else. Although they need help there. They need to add to that, but they have plenty of receivers. And they're going to throw it a ton because Ben can't really move and he's going to be their quarterback, it looks like, uh, after he restructures his deal. But, no, I, I would expect Juju, Juju to be somewhere else. New York makes sense, too. But not really if they bring Crowder back. I think Juju's kind of in that slot role at this point. I mean, a place that would fit is if Chris Godwin somehow Absolutely. wasn't in Tampa. He, stole my he would fit that role that Heinz Ward and Reggie Wayne and Larry Fitzgerald and now Chris Godwin have had in that offense. Uh, but I, I can't imagine Chris Godwin going anywhere and they'll let him out of town. But I think Juju would fit that kind of thing perfectly. That offense doesn't really exist anywhere else in the league at this point. The cat number it would really be interesting does. on that too, right? Because yeah. the, the Bucks don't have a ton of cap space at the moment. So if they if Godwin, Godwin left. Yeah. Wait, though, it would be yes. close. No, no, he'd be cheaper. Because no. cause he's not – because he'd be on a, a – you know, we're talking about a three-, four-year deal probably. I mean, his cap hit would be a few million lower. You don't make that move to save money. You make that move if Chris Godwin's not there. Like, that that's right. yeah. would be the, the, the replacement there. Also, just to throw another name out there for that, Washington, I think would be a really solid spot for him. Yeah. Um, so they, they need someone, someone alongside Terry McLaurin to kind of run the routes. They don't have to have him run. Yeah, they also need to figure out their – I think Juju – if Juju is let to walk and be a free agent – I think his off-the-field stuff, personality, his giant market away from football is going to matter to him. So I, I can't imagine him playing in Detroit, regardless of what the money is. He's so marketable outside of being a football player, even though it's yeah. with, you know what I mean, with, the, with football. I think it'll matter to him, and I'm totally speculating. It just makes a ton of sense that it's one of those markets. I think Washington's yeah. big enough to pull that off. Yeah, but, but Vegas makes sense, a, too, especially because yeah. knowing Juju's background, not a drinker, doesn't do drugs, that environment's not going to be a problem for him off the field. Yeah. Um, he, that would be a perfect spot for him to be highlighted. The New York Jets would be a good one, too, guys. I said the Jets. I just want to point that yeah, out. Yeah, if, if they cut Crowder. I, I think the Jets are better off bringing Crowder back than, than doing that with Juju for cheaper. So there's a bit of a tear break here, I think, in the wide receiver names that we're going to discuss. 
I love the names in this tier. Like, there are some guys in here that I think are just awesome football players, and we're going to start with one. Corey Davis, I loved coming out of college, and this past season, almost getting to 1,000 yards, clearly having the best year of his career, probably made himself a good amount of money with the way that he played this year. I, I love Corey Davis. He's probably one of my favorite guys in this class because I, I think he's extremely underrated when you look at the rest of these guys. But, Jake, I'll ask you this question. If a bunch of the guys that we just talked about get tagged, all of a sudden Corey Davis shoots up to the top of this wide receiver board and probably makes himself even more money. Maybe, but you got to look at – he was a bust. Corey Davis was an absolute mega bust until this season. He broke out. He was up for, you know, comeback player of the year because he really broke out and had a really solid season. But he's not a one. And, you know, the other guys you're talking about are ones that are going to get paid like ones. I can't imagine Corey Davis being paid like a one. It's going to be prove it. He was a great complimentary piece in that offense with a ton of play action, A.J. Brown, the other weapons. But I can't picture anybody in the league saying, okay, we're going to sign Corey Davis. He's our one. We're going to pay him $16, 17000000 million a year, and we're going to ride this out with him. I just – I don't think he's there yet. We all loved him in fantasy this year. He was great. He broke out. He was really, really solid player. But he ran the same route a ton. It's not like he went up and made a ton of contested catches. He doesn't run – Every route in the route tree, he's a big guy. I loved him coming out of college, too. But that, that goes to my point of him being a bust for his first four years. Like, it was a mega, mega bust. And then he had a really solid year. But it wasn't a 16 or $17 million a year guy year. He's not a one. I think he's a great complimentary two to somebody because he's a big physical guy. So if you got a shifty guy or take the top off the defense guy already, he fits a lot of roles. But he's only really been in that offense as well. So I, I can't see him, if the rest of these guys getting tagged, jumping up to being paid like a one. I think a place – and that's where it's going to be interesting because I think he could land somewhere as a one to not actually be a one just because they don't have the pieces. I think New England comes to mind for me uh, as a team that yeah. I think he would have some success on. Um, you, you know, know they're I not think, paying him $16, 17000000 No. Uh, and then it comes to like is – because for my money, like after season he had, he has to try to get as much money as possible because he was a couple years away from – I mean, if he had a bad year this year, he's a dude that's signing a, a two-year deal with a bunch of incentives. So he's got to get the money now off of that. But uh, New England makes a lot of sense to me. I, we already mentioned Washington is a team that makes some sense. Um, you know, I, I think if he's willing to take a discount, uh, Kansas City, to go be the number two there. They've got Tyree Kill tape the top off there. Sammy Watkins is leaving. Demarcus Robinson's leaving. I don't think I like Michael Hardman – can be I don't think I don't I think Harmon's a good gadget player I don't think he can be a two so if you but no. again you're not going to get your full market value to go to Kansas City but you know those are some really interesting options for me I think I'm D- gonna, if Detroit loses Galladay I like that he played Central yeah. Michigan mm-hmm, Eastern yeah. Michigan one of those one of those West, Western Michigan Western yeah, Michigan. yeah one of one of those um that that would make sense I mean he's got ties to the state sure I mean it's cheaper than Galladay for sure or if he wants to go and that would be that feet. one, but he's not really a one situation, James. Exactly. And, and another team for that would be the Bears. Like if, if they lose Allen Robinson, if he wants to be featured, but maybe not, you know, you're going to be the wide receiver one by proxy and you're going to get a lot of work, but you're not going to be on a good team. I mean, Detroit, Chicago, those guys can easily fit in there. Arizona next to Hopkins. I don't think they need somebody. They do. But They're yeah, going to need somebody. Fit. They're going to try to get one of these guys. Right. But Hopkins is already that possession yeah. back shoulder guy that he runs slants Hopkins does everything I think they need because they've already got little guys but they need somebody that's that's shiftier that runs the whole route tree he's a big dude like him getting off the yeah. bus him and AJ Brown getting off the bus yeah it's like the the Miami Hurricanes of, of the 80s like they just look different getting off the bus right 
Um, I don't know that he fits that offense. That's a lot of shifty, quick stuff. Antonio Brown, another Tampa Bay Buccaneer next up on the list. And we talked about Chris Godwin more than likely coming back. I don't know if Antonio Brown fits into the, to what the, the Bucs are going to do next season, considering all the guys that they need to bring back. And Jake, I guess I'll defer to you on this one. Uh, it just feels like with everything that they have to do, Antonio Brown might be the guy that just kind of goes somewhere else. Maybe. I don't know that Antonio Brown wants to go somewhere else. They want him back at the right price, but he's not on the top of their priority list when you've got Shaq Barrett, Levante David, and Chris Godwin, and these guys that, that you know are right there at the top that they got to get done. But I think they're going to look at it, see what money they got left, what they can move around and say, okay, can we get him back for a few million? Does he want to play with Tom again? Does he want to make another run at it? Uh, he got good. He earned it. He earned a lot more money than that, right? Like he, once he got his legs under him, he really got rolling and he's the ultimate insurance policy for them, but they love Tyler Johnson who came on as a rookie. Scotty is damn good. But the thing with AB that when they signed him that made so much sense was he plays all three positions and Mike and Chris both have injury histories that if you miss a guy, now you got Antonio Brown, who's not the same guy, but he's still pretty damn good stepping into that role. It'll be interesting. Uh, does he need the money? Does he want the money? Does he want to take the chance going somewhere else that maybe he's not the same locker room, same coaching staff without Tom Brady? I don't know. I, th I think that's where the Bucks really have a huge advantage on a lot of teams. Guys want to take less money to play there and go for a ring, especially in this, short, in this, this smaller cap window. Yeah, I've been on record on this show with saying this. If Antonio Brown goes anywhere other than Tampa Bay, I'm 100% out. Um, his off the field stuff's been well documented. If he's not going to be in that environment with Tom Brady in a familiar system with that support group that's down there in Tampa, I think the risk of something, you know, him falling off the wagon is really high. Uh, I understand you might want to chase basically one final big payday uh, for his career. Otherwise he's going to be signing a lot of these short-term deals. But if he leaves Tom Brady, he leaves Tampa in that system. I'm, I don't know if I would trust him as another team trying to sign him. And I don't know if I would trust him as a fantasy player wanting to draft him. So if he's back in Tampa, I think he could have a really fruitful season, but I want nothing to do with him uh, if, he, if he leaves town. I just don't, I don't trust it. And you, I, you could prove me wrong. Maybe he's turned things around re regardless of everything else. But uh, if he's not in that support system, I – Jamie, I that's no a great it. point because it's a weird dynamic, right? Like you would think he was a model citizen. He won a Super Bowl. He looked really good on the field, like I said, after he got his legs under him and got him a little more acclimated. But the sense, I think, league-wide is still – well, he was with Tom in Tampa and he was living at Tom's house and BA knows him and they know how to keep him under wraps. Yeah. And it's, it's almost a detriment to him that he was so good and you didn't hear anything from him. Like, did you see any pictures of him at the Super Bowl parade? Like you haven't heard anything from AB, yeah. nothing, which it's I think smart. it almost works against him, which was smart. It was great. But I think it, it really leans towards him going back there, probably a one-year deal for less money, make another run at it. And he could sign another another year deal like if one of those guys gets hurt and he's the starter for four games he's putting up good numbers oh yeah let's talk about the i don't know is is this the tdn fantasy podcast favorite wide receiver ty hilton is do we, do we have an official title he's up there man he's we, up there we talk about him a lot on on this show and we've mentioned him before here on this episode in the fact that indy's probably going to need to bring him back and uh, maybe they, they, they float the franchise tag out there for T.Y. Hilton. They certainly have the cap space to do something like this. But let's, let's play this game out. T.Y. Hilton doesn't come back to the Indianapolis Colts. Jamie, the best fit for T.Y. Hilton is blank. I don't know. And I know that's a, that's a, that's not a, a great answer for the, for the podcast. I know it's a cop-out, but I just – I don't know what is left for T.Y. Like, in, in terms of – 
those deep route stuff down the field that they want to do in Indianapolis, like, I think that's the fit for him. I think the fit is to be the receiver that Carson Wentz wants to take shots to in that offense. If he goes somewhere else, I don't think he's, he's not going to be a wide receiver one anywhere else. He'll be a complimentary piece. And a lot of these teams that need to get these other pieces already have a receiver that's younger and kind of like T.Y. and they need something different. So that's where, like, I guess maybe things like Green Bay could be a, a fit there. Um, you know, if Houston, if they don't bring back Fuller, would be a fit. But, like, th- is, he's kind of got the skill set that is – that's the type of receiver that I think Indy needs to, like Jake said, re-sign and then bring in another piece. Like, I think that's the – that could be the Carson Wentz go-to guy again. Like, I, I think that's, that's such a perfect fit for me with where he's going. Uh, maybe Cleveland, if they end up trading Odell Beckham. Like, if you need somebody else – because, you know, they need somebody else that goes down the field that's not just John Donovan Peoples-Jones. So having like Donovan's people, Jones come in on certain packages, you have T.Y. Hilton, you have Jarvis Landry and all the underneath stuff. I think those could be fits, but Indianapolis seems to me like the, the best spot for him to resign. A couple of things there with that one is, do they want to go Paris Campbell significantly cheaper that kind of turned into T.Y. two, not quite the same player, but a lot cheaper. It could take the top off the defense. If that's the case, I'd love to see him in Miami on the other side, Devontae Parker with Deshaun Watson. And I go back to what you were just talking about, Chris, is the Arizona Cardinals. You throw him on the other side of Hopkins. Now a guy that can run it all and can still get deep. And you got Isabella and you got Kirk who can run deep, but they're slot guys. And you need somebody that can move around, play different positions, quick off the line. That one makes a lot of sense to me. I think Miami jumps out to me first. You throw him in there with that cap space, he's not going to be crazy. You go back to two, he's also been his entire career in Indianapolis. They love him there. He's a great locker room guy. So that franchise tag may be higher than his contract would be somewhere else. But for a year, I think they're fine with paying him $16 million with the cap space that they have. It wouldn't surprise me if they do that. Right, because it wouldn't hinder their ability to do anything else because they've already no. got the quarterback and they still have $40-plus plus million to add to a roster that was a playoff roster already. So, it, yeah. you know, they, they can afford for one season to kind of go over. I, that was a good shout on Arizona because I think they're going to they're gonna be in the market for one of these guys, but when you mm-hmm. look at their cap situation, they're not going to be able to go after any of the big-name guys to, to put next to DeAndre Hopkins, nor do I think they need to, but they don't have the cap space considering all of the other things that they're going to need to do. So, T.Y. Uh, makes a lot of sense there. Okay, we got two more wide receivers before we get into tight ends Jamie these were two that you late additions to the list yes. that you wanted to talk about and I think these were two great additions Curtis Samuel uh the first guy that we will mention here pounding the table Chris for your guys the New York Jets that's I, that's my favorite fit for him they need somebody that can run all these little gadget plays can run the jet sweep motion can do all of the stuff uh, that th- these LaFleur type offenses, the Shanahan branch trees love to do. They have some good pieces. Like I like what Denzel Mims can turn into. I love, you know, everybody knows how much I love Jamison Crowder in the slot. I still think they, they need a bigger, like a more reliable deep threat. I know they took a shot with Perriman last year. It kind of worked out at times, but it kind of didn't because he got hurt again. But I love what they could, how creative they could be with Curtis Samuel in that offense. That would be my absolute favorite fit. Uh, Green Bay could be a fit as well. So could New England. There's a lot of spots for him. Um, I don't think it's Jacksonville. I know everyone's doing the Urban Meyer connection. They've got guys that can do that. Like, they don't, they don't, that's not the receiver they need down there. I think you're just adding on to the players they already have. You just drafted Jets LaVisca Chenault. I was just going to say, LaVisca Chenault will do that. Like, that's yeah, what he does. like you just run that play with, with Chenault. And if you want to bring in, like, it's, but – not the, not the Curtis Samuel type. I think the Jets are missing that piece of the offense. And if they're going to get really creative with either Fields or Zach Wilson, I think they need, or I guess, or Deshaun Watson. They, I love them to have that piece. And I think he would be a great fit for them there. Uh, they can afford to basically pay market or slightly above market, but given their cap situation, 
I think that's a perfect spot for him. I love that one, Jam. What are the Jets missing? Home run hitters. Like Crowder's awesome in the slot. He's a possession guy. Mims could probably turn into that. Braxton Berrios at one point was their best receiver. He's not a home run hitter. They don't have a running back that's a home run hitter. Curtis Samuel, people forget, like he's a tweener. They put him in the backfield, all the stuff you're talking about, but he kind of developed into a nice receiver. He went with five games in a row with touchdowns, you know, catching slants and corners yeah. in the back of the end zone, that kind of stuff. Uh, I love him there, man. I think that makes a ton of sense. And they need to get creative. But when you don't have a home run hitter and you can get one, you got to try to get one and, and make give him the ball in space. Jamie, I will second your pounding of the table for the Jets to get Curtis Samuel. Thank you for doing that. Okay, last wide receiver that we will mention here. We've already mentioned him here on the show. Marvin Jones, and I think this is an interesting one. Here's more of a, a veteran type, not necessarily in the same tier as some of the other guys that we mentioned, but I think there are going to be some teams that will look at Marvin Jones as a nice complimentary piece to the wide receiver group they already have and to kind of round that group into form, Jake. You're nodding your head in approval, which means I made a good point, which I'm happy. I've got the spot. I've already said on the show, I think he goes to the Rams with Stafford. He's a family guy. He considers Stafford family. They have a chemistry and a connection. I don't think the Rams are done being aggressive and making moves this offseason. They're dead for years without first-round picks. They still got cap issues. They still got dead money. And they got a lot of pieces they could move to be able to add him. You can move a young Van Jefferson. You can use, move Reynolds. You can move Everett or Higby uh, if they don't lose Higby in free agency. But, like, I don't think they're done making some moves. And I think Stafford would want him there. I think he would want to be there. Even if it's, he's one of those guys that if it's 80% of the money, you go with where you're comfortable. I think he would fit in that offense. Great. They still need somebody to take the top off. Now you're talking about a guy this year that kind of like Corey Davis. When Galladay was out, Marvin never really been the one that took over and was a stud. He was a stud this year, absolute stud when Galladay was out. Uh, it makes a lot of sense for, for somehow for him to end up in L.A. Yeah, I, I think that to, to me that's the obvious one um, just because of the connections that he's had there. Um, you know, there's, we could up all these other names and all the teams, but that would be – he'd have to take a discount, but just he would be an awesome piece – uh, inside of that offense. Um, I think he would be a good replacement for Corey Davis in Tennessee as well. Uh, they need somebody that's not just that A.J. Brown over the top there. Um, all, and again, any, he's a fit in a lot of places because he does a lot of things well. He might not be elite in any one category, but he's well-rounded across the board. He can be a number one on a short stretch if you need him to be. He can have success as a complimentary piece to a number one that's getting a, a double-digit target share. Uh, he's just a really solid player that doesn't get enough recognition. And if he played somewhere that wasn't Detroit, like he'll get more recognition in LA than he ever did in Detroit. Even though LA's market as a football market is not as passionate as Detroit's market in terms of a media market and people paying attention and where the NFL has headquarters, that will make a difference. To the tight ends we go. And uh, I will say this list shorter than the wide receiver list. Don't have that many big names to talk about, but I think the biggest name on the list is Hunter Henry. Speaking of LA teams, we will go just across the, the offices to the Los Angeles Chargers. Hunter Henry, gentlemen, I think this is a very interesting scenario because I kind of think he still stays in, in LA and he's back with the Chargers, but there are going to be teams that will be interested in signing Hunter Henry. So I wonder if the franchise tag is a possibility. Here. Again, right? So would it be a yeah, double tag? This will be, this will be two straight years. And it, that comes with a bigger payday. That's, you know, when you tag a guy a second time, it's I think 120%. But that just feels to me like a very likely scenario. Makes a lot of sense, other than you now have a quarterback that's on a rookie contract. So you can move some stuff around. You could get creative. I don't think they want him to leave. Uh, he showed that he had chemistry when he was healthy with Herbert. A ton of teams are going to be interested, like a ton. 
right? Anybody that even thinks they might need tight end help, he's going to be the top of the list. I just can't picture him leaving town. I mean, when you have that young quarterback, when he's healthy, he's top tier. And you can't lose guys like that. Even if you got to overpay him a little bit, you know him. He's been in your organization the entire time. Uh, I, I, I picture him staying. And if that's tagging him another year, you're still you getting it. value this year with the, with the cap number going down. And he's more than a tight end, right? So you don't look at him quite like Kelsey, but you're not looking at him like a guy that's blocking more than he's receiving either. You know what I mean? Like you gotta, you could pay a little bit more for that. Yeah, that's where I am as well. I think he ends up staying in LA. They need that fit. They need, LA's team is interesting because I think they need to add some of their pass catching weapons. If they can't lose Henry. Like you love Keenan Allen, but like Mike Williams is, I mean, he's just a guy to me. Like I, he can make spectacular plays. He fights a lot. He's a tough dude, but he's not like, he's that like take a couple shots a game to downfield guy, keep the defense on his throw up some 50, 50 balls. So he's there 60, 40 for him, but he's not like that reliable go-to guys. And as I'm watching him like go down the field to like Guyton and all these other options late in the year, you're like, they're, they're missing a piece. So they'd be missing two if Hunter Henry was gone. So I think they have to make sure they keep him. They're not going to be able to invest draft capital in pass catchers. They can't. They have to fix that offensive line. They have to get that, that, that situation handled and under control soon. So they're not going to be able to spend early picks on those guys. They have to find a way to resign them. Um, I think another team that could be interesting if he got away, um, Arizona would be interesting. I don't think they can afford him. Um, so he would fit, but they need – I, don't know. Like, I, I don't, mean, their tight ends are – really receivers like they're more five wide than they are even having a tight end on the field or four wide. Yeah. But they don't really have anybody like they need an upgrade on Dan Arnold for sure. Is that option? Uh, I think Max Williams gets cut. He's more of a blocker at this point anyway, but I, I could see it making sense, you know, in Arizona, Buffalo. I mean, I don't think he can afford their full price, but Buffalo would be a really intriguing option, especially if they move on from John Brown, which I don't think they should do, but uh, you know, so there, there's, there's some options there, but I, I'm like you guys, I don't see him leaving the chargers. Like there's a fit, there's a need, there's money to, to pay him there. That's the perfect spot for him to stay. Another Tennessee Titan on our list. Jonu Smith next up in the tight end category that we will talk about. And listen, just looking at this from Tennessee perspective, they could lose both Corey Davis and Jonu Smith in an offseason and then just be looking at A.J. Brown to be catching passes from Ryan Tannehill. So it's, it's imperative that I think one of these guys comes back to Tennessee or they find somebody to replace these guys. Their whole That's tight end room. Arthur Smith. Yeah, they're also their entire tight end room because Michael Pruitt's uh, and I think uh, – Jeff Swamer, unrestricted free agents. Ferkser's a restricted free agent. John Smith's a free agent. I mean, they're missing a lot of pieces. Oh, and by the way, they got to fix their defense. So, like, they're, they're in this kind of tenuous spot right now as a team uh, where they're kind of going to probably be a playoff caliber-ish team, but they're not going to be anywhere close to a Super Bowl contender. Like, they're in this weird purgatory now. But uh, to me, again, pound the table, dream destination. Put them in Baltimore, please. Please put John Smith in Baltimore. He is the perfect player for what they want to do. He can block, he can catch, he can be, he can be that tight end. You have Nick Boyle, John U. Smith, Mark Andrews, all have different. You've got your blocking tight end, your receiving tight end, your hybrid. They're all successful. We can go back to that offense you ran two years ago. That would be the perfect fit for me. Jamie, I love that you just described a true tight end as a hybrid tight end. That's, that's this crazy well, that's what it is now, right? we live in now. <laughs> he can actually block and catch, which is what the tight end position means. But we yep. call that a hybrid now because you have a blocking tight end and a dude that doesn't block anybody. Uh, and yep. he's the guy in between that's, that's the hybrid. I love it there. I absolutely love him there. Uh, I think they're going to probably have to overpay him to keep him, but I think he's probably another tag candidate because I don't know. I can't imagine they're going to tag Corey Davis at that price. Uh, it would make sense, but I can't. With that room and that much flux, 
and him turning into a top-tier guy when healthy as well, I can't imagine he gets out of town. And, and Jamie, to just piggyback off of your Baltimore point, they got to do something with the group of players that we've just mentioned. Like one of these guys has to end up on their roster next season to help Lamar Jackson out because they cannot ask him to do everything and not have any receivers for him to throw the ball to. All right, two more tight ends to go through. Gerald Everett next up on the list. We were just talking about the Los Angeles Rams. Jamie, how do you see this one playing out? See, I'm not sure he comes back there. Like, I, I think they – the way that things kind of ended for him there, um, you know, the way that they kind of went with Higby and then they used Everett a little bit and he kind of wanted out. And they, they it's been all kind of weird for me. Um, he would be a really interesting player with Green Bay, I think. Um, you know, I think Green Bay could use him. I think the Colts would be a really interesting one as well. They do need another tight end in that offense for Carson Wentz. I think both of those teams would be really intriguing options where you could get him fairly cheap. Like he's not going to cost you Hunter Henry or John Smith type of money. He's shown that he can be productive when he's given opportunities to be featured as a receiver. Uh, he's still pretty young. He's still a, a physical player. I, I think he could be one of those guys that like is under the radar when he signs, but actually has a pretty solid season for one of these playoff contenders. Yeah, I think Baltimore's an option as well, but he's not a hybrid tight end. He's a receiving tight end. <laughs> no, he's not John Smith. Um, I, I love your Green Bay point. I mean, Tunyon is basically the same player, but they need more weapons, especially if they're going to lose Aaron Jones. Um, Gerald's interesting. I mean, he's a big guy, but he doesn't block a ton. But he's shifty in, in open space. I, I, I can still see him being that, Baltimore-ish kind of thing, and they go back to having multiple receiving tight ends that are basically big receivers. He spent half of his career there split out wide and wasn't even on the line of scrimmage. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. I think he gets decent money to go somewhere else because he's flashed enough that people want playmakers that you can move around and you can be an in-line player if you have to be. Last name on the list. We started with the Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Let's end with the Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Rob Gronkowski, I think this is pretty easy. If he wants to play next season, he will be doing so in Tampa. Does anybody disagree with what I've just, just stated? He already said he wants to come back. He already yeah. said he wants to play next year, and he wants to come back to Tampa to do it. Can you imagine him catching a pass from somewhere else? No. no. Unless he you're Rob to... Ninkovich and you want to stir up some shit. What, will he test free agency? Maybe. I don't think they let him. I, I think it's done, you know, when they have their legal tampering period, it's done and he's back and it's probably for less money than he made this year. But he played yeah, like, 20 games. He was spectacular. He just doesn't get enough credit. He's the greatest tight end in the history of the game because he's a hybrid, as Jamie just called him. He will actually block. And he will block his ass off and road grade people. I mean, he didn't, he didn't catch a pass in the playoffs, but he was trucking people. And then he catches two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Uh, I can't imagine him catching balls from anybody else. He's a hybrid in the way – just but an elite hybrid. Like, I, there's nobody that has his elite level. I mean, ha, he's a Hall of Fame blocker and a Hall of Fame pass catcher. Like, that is – you just don't find – the greatest of all time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he is just a, an unbelievable – and, again, we talked about this on the show. His run blocking does not get enough credit. Like, it is out of this world. He's not playing for anybody that's not Tom Brady. Like, I don't have any Dude, inside he took information. Chase Young on by himself. Yes. Like five plays and owned him. Basically play an extended left tackle against – the Redskins, or excuse me, the football team. The Washington football the, team, please. Dollar in the jar. I'm, I'm too old, man. Look, that, Dollar that's in like the jar, please. 42 years of that word to be coached the football team. You called the I mean, Raiders Oakland before, so that's two already on this show. That's yeah, right. right. Uh, look, I, everything that any indication that Gronkowski has given to anybody ever over the last couple of years is that he's interested in playing with Tom Brady, and that's it. He, he's not going anywhere. It's Tom Brady or 
re-retiring, which I don't think he's going to do either. So I, I think they run it back there one more year with those guys. He's healthy. Like, he yeah. never played 20 games. He never played 16 in the regular season. By the way, when you go back to Tom Brady when the Super Bowls he lost, those are the years Gronk was hurt. He never won one or never lost one with Gronk on the field. Tom ain't letting him get out of town. Like, if Gronk wanted to leave, Tommy and Gronky got issues. And I can't imagine those two having issues. They, they get along, like, better than anybody. Yeah. Just look at the post-Super Bowl videos that came out with the two of them. They're Goodies! Doing, yeah. I think they're doing just fine. All right. Uh, final thoughts here on the show as we wrap up. So, Jamie, I'll, I'll kind of leave it open-ended to you. Final thoughts on the two shows that we've done this week, the free agency preview at large, because uh, we're done. We're done with all the offensive players, all the big-name players that will be available via free agency that could impact your fantasy teams for next season. To me, it's all about the top, the top of this list. And whether it was Aaron Jones and the guys and Chris Carson that we talked about on the show earlier this week, or we're talking about where Allen Robinson and Kenny Galladay and Chris Godwin land. Uh, I'm with Jake. I think that it's going to be a lot less chaotic at the top of the wide receiver group than we're thinking. Um, I'm hopeful to see some tag and trade scenarios, but they're not as easy as they are in other leagues. But to me, this is where there's tons of value. And this is, again, emblematic. And you're going to, I'm going to have to start, you guys are going to start making me take shots every time I say this. Yep. But this is very emblematic of the wide receiver sphere in general. In fantasy and in the NFL, there are a lot of really good players at the position right now. It is a golden era for pass-catching talent in the National Football League and in fantasy football. Like, we're talking about all these guys and even, you know, even the not the Jujus and not the Kenny Galladay's. Some of these guys are going to make major impacts. They could end up being wide receiver ones elsewhere. Like, Corey Davis could go somewhere else and be their de facto wide receiver one. Marvin Jones could go somewhere. Uh, to me, I'm really, really excited to see where all these guys land. I just keep an eye on a few teams in particular. Like if a, a wide receiver landing in Green Bay, for example, gets, becomes really, really intriguing. A wide receiver maybe potentially landing in Baltimore is in, incredibly intriguing. Indianapolis has that option. If the Dolphins get a wide receiver one and they bring in, they change the quarterback situation. There are a few scenarios here where guys could kind of leap 10, 15 spots in your fantasy rankings from where you kind of would have ballparked them at the end of the season based on where they go here. Al Thompson's even another one. He can't go 15 spots because he was already in the top 10, but if he goes, if he makes a quarterback upgrade, if he goes, let's say he goes to, let's just throw it out. He goes to Miami just for just to pick a team. And with Deshaun Watson, after, after playing with the quarterbacks, he's played with Jacksonville and Chicago. You're talking about top five receiver. Like I, so these are going to be extremely intriguing. I cannot wait for this to play out. You know what this reminds me of Chris? This is like, like living in the, you guys probably have never done this. So you're living in the South and it's the 4th of July and you have an afternoon thunderstorm and it's just wet everywhere by the time you want to go shoot the fireworks the fireworks are probably a little damp and you light the fuse and it doesn't work and you light the fuse and it doesn't work and that keeps going for a while and then whoop, one goes off because it was dry enough and we have some fireworks and some sparks that's going to be for agency like i just expect this to be franchise tag franchise tag franchise tag franchise tag a bunch of duds nobody's paying for running backs this is a great running back draft the running backs are getting better and better. When you look at James Robinson being a free agent, the guys you can get in the second round, third round, fourth round, not spending a ton of capital. I can't imagine Aaron Jones gets crazy money. Is it 11 or 12 million? Yeah, probably, but it's not going to be 15, 17, 18. I just expect this entire free agent process this year with this cap coming down to be a lack of fireworks. And that kind of sucks until we get in closer to the draft and you might see some of these tags turn into trades like we talked about, where some of these teams kind of get their feet to the fire and they say, okay, Let's do something here. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add to that as my final thought, Jake. I think the quarterback market's going to hold everything up as well. 
I mean, you have the franchise tag that's going to hold everything up, and there are teams that still are trying to upgrade at the quarterback position. Deshaun Watson is still out there. I still think San Francisco is trying to upgrade at the quarterback position. The number two and number three picks could both be in play. So, like, these are things that I think are slowing everything down. As we, all, we talk about the quarterback position so much on this show for fantasy, but in real life football, you got to have a good quarterback. So everybody's trying to upgrade their quarterback position, and it just kind of creates this log jam. And when March 17th rolls around, maybe some of this gets thought out and some of these guys come off the board, but this might be a slow burn a- a- until April. Uh, Jamie, well, where can everybody follow you on the social medias to see all of your content? You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. Jake? Jake B. Arians on Twitter and Arians NFL on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, S-C-H-U Radio. And as always, the draftnetwork.com for all of the content podcasts. It's draft season, so get over there. Look at all the content uh, for the NFL draft coming up in April. We will be back on Monday next week. Everybody have a good rest of your week and a good weekend. We'll talk to you then. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.